Welcome back. Gavin Riley with you on the record this Sunday lunchtime on News Talk 53106 for your texts on the record NT, our hashtag on Twitter. Now, this week, an old ferry ship began slowly to capsize on Grand Canal Dock in Dublin. It's a ship that you might have seen actually there if you've been wandering around that part of town for the last couple of years. Uh, but it is not a ship which is usually associated, oddly enough, with Grand Canal Dock. It is a ship and a story more primarily associated with one of the Aran Islands. Now, many listeners might even remember some time spent on this ferry, the Nave Aena, in their own youths. It was the ferry that brought people to and from the Aran Islands back in the day. Uh, but what to do with the ship, which had been earmarked for, among other things, a hotel. And Donald Fallon uh, has back from his European sojourn. Uh, <laughs> we'll ask more about your, your Ryanair mishaps maybe in a, in a couple of minutes uh, to tell us all about it. Good to have you back, though. Uh, Donald, perhaps more chat about the islands off the Irish coast at present um, than there has been for a long time before. Yeah, the world is talking about the, the beautiful islands at our coast in, in, in recent weeks. And look, who imagined a time when a, a film set on Mayo's beautiful Ackle Island would scoop so many uh, Academy mm. Award nominations. And I know Irish people are kind of divided over the film, but we all agree on one thing. The landscape is incredibly beautiful. But I think a reminder of our relationship with the islands, and more particularly the Aran Islands uh, off the coast of Galway, uh, made headlines for all the wrong reasons this week, because the Neveina is slowly losing its battle for survival. Or, you know, so, it or seems. so it seems. yeah. And for anyone who's been down to Grand Canal Dock in, in, in recent years, it's been a kind of curious thing to look at because it's been mm. retired since the late 1980s. So it's not it's not in the the end of the Grand Canal Dock that most people will be familiar with. So it's not down at the like the the theatre side of things or down at the Google end of things. It's down at the far end. Yeah, but as you're standing kind of at the at the the, the Grand Canal Theatre and the, the beautiful art installation there, you know the kind of the red bolts out of, yes. the, out of the ground, and you're looking towards Rings End, you, you can see it down there. And look, it's been retired since the 80s. Everything's been proposed for this thing: a floating hotel, a historical exhibit. Uh, in Galway, none of that came to pass. And now, you know, in the words of the Irish Times this week, it's kind of a, a ghost ship, which is a great way of describing <laughs> yeah. it. And the, the emotional connection to the Navena is very real. I mean, there's a Facebook group called The Days of the NV, MV Navena, more than 45,000 followers on that group. So for many people, this was a, an important part, if you will, of their, of their own childhood, of their own growing up. And it's been just slowly decaying down, down there in the Grand Canal. So this ferry, although it primarily served Galway, of course, in the Aran Islands, actually built in Dublin and one of the last few ships to be able to claim that title. And it's really interesting that we, we find ourselves talking about this now because the, the last slot we did was about the, the doors in the Docklands Act, yeah. which had just launched, and this new focus on the, the history of Dublin's Docklands. So that there is this very surprising Docklands history in Dublin, and many people might be surprised to hear that you know, we built ships and ferries in Dublin, uh, including including this one. So the Navena, it, it's in this weird position. It was built in the Liffey dockyards in the 1950s. But where it is now, it's minutes from kind of Barrow Street, which is the home of Google. You mm. know, it's right alongside kind of new offices and buildings of the modern age. Silicon docks, as they call it. So you have yes. this reminder of a, a different... Dublin Docklands, if you will, sitting there against the new. And that juxtaposition uh, is really interesting. But she was one of the last ever ships to be constructed uh, in, in Dublin's Docklands. So she, mm. she may not have served the people of Dublin. I mean, she's synonymous with the Aran Islands on mm. one level, but she was built not far from where she sits and where she sinks today. Uh, although she might well have been uh, serving quite a lot of Dubliners, uh, given the life that she had, depending on how many of them were heading out west for a Colossus era. Um, when it launched in the 1950s, um, Aina was seen as being very vital for the islands, but also for, for tourism in that part of the world. Yeah, Sean Lamas had a great line when it, when it was launched. Sean Lamas spoke of his belief that tourists, cattle pigs, film stars, and millionaires would be amongst its passenger list. <laughs> Gypsies, tramps, and, and thieves of the 1950s. That's kind of not unlike today, actually, because you know we, we're, we're talking a lot about the, the Academy Award nominations of the last week. But in the 1950s, of course, John Ford's masterpiece, The Quiet Man, uh, had okay. been released. So there yeah. was this 
international interest in getting to you know more remote parts of, of rural Ireland. And I think the hope of the state was that the, the Nave Aina would ferry not just the people of the Aran Islands, but the visitors of the Aran Islands mm. forward and forward and back. And it was extraordinarily loyal, you know, despite the the, the Irish weather. I mean, you know, the classical Latin for Ireland, the land of constant winter. Yeah. Uh, in the 1990s, people, people forget sometimes that's literally what Hibernia yeah, means. Hibernia, Hibernia being the Roman summer, uh, the fe- the season of winter. Yeah. So they literally named us after the fact that our weather was crap. And bears go hibernating, but we are Hibernia. And in the 1990s, RTE did this beautiful report on on, on the Navena, and they reported that in 30 years of service, this, this is extraordinary. The ship only missed seven schedule sailings. Seven? Seven in 30, 30 years. years. Which is just amazing. God. So I don't want to imagine how rough some of those, some of those <laughs> yeah. sailings were, but it went in literally all weather conditions. Mm. So some very, very rocky journeys. But I mean, I think at that, that point, you can't overemphasize that point. I think visitors overwhelmingly, you know, they weren't the American with a romantic vision of the islands that Sean Lamas might have had in his head. They're mostly kind of, as well as the people themselves of the islands, obviously, urban and suburban Irish teenagers. Yeah. And when I posted about it during the, during the week on Instagram, uh, one friend's memories were actually getting sick off the side of the Neve <laughs> as he made his way out to improve his cupola fuckle uh, uh, as a teenager. I was, I was about to suggest that if it had only missed seven journeys in 30 years of service that it was more than just the Atlantic that it was sailing through. There, there was a fair amount of, of bodily regurgitations that it was trying to wade through as well. Uh, Three Castles Burning is uh, Donald's handle on Twitter or on Instagram rather if you want to follow up on all of that. Um, the Neve pops up in literature and given how central it was to the life of people getting around in that part of the world it's also in a lot, a lot of 20th century Irish yeah, memoirs. Yeah, it was in service for, for more than three decades. So any good memoir that involves the islands that's in there, Tim Pat Coogan in his memoir, he talks about how he totally fallen in love with the idea of the Aran Islands before he'd even, even got to them. And he has this lovely line about, you know, how it seemed like a, a semi-tropical paradise of blazing white beaches <laughs> where fish were so numerous that they hurled themselves into the islanders' canvas canoes known as Kuroks. Uh, but look, the Nave Aina, he that recalls... Sounds, sounds a little bit Caribbean now, that kind of yeah, description, doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know if Tim Pat found what he wanted on the <laughs> yeah. islands, but the Nave Aina, Tim Pat remembers, was... The journey just long enough to create seasickness, but not a real sense of remoteness. Okay, which is a nice, uh, a nice diplomatic way of putting it. But I mean, in a time before the Navena, how did you get out to the islands? I mean, you find that in memoirs as well. The Curragh, the famous Curragh, and that was an experience that never really left people. You know, it could be it was one thing to sail. Uh, on a ferry in bad weather conditions, it was a different thing to get yourself over in a curragh. Mm. And J.M. <laughs> Singh, you know, who was convinced by W.B. Yeats in Paris to go to the Aran Islands and to write about them. Sorry, hang on, sorry. Convinced to leave Paris <laughs> to go to the Aran Islands. Yeah. Like, I've been to Inishman. Inishman is lovely and you can go and see Cahir Singh there and it's nice and you can understand the serenity of it all. But being convinced to leave Paris for yeah, Inishman. Yeah. Like, everyone went to Paris to find what they wanted. You know, Joyce did it, Yeats yeah. did it, Singh did it. But And he discovered when he, he went to Paris that what he wanted it was actually total isolation. Kind of recognised that Singh was in the wrong place and he said something to the effect of you must go to Aaron. And okay. thankfully Singh did. And he went out there on a on a, on a Kuruk. And the way he describes it is just amazing. Down in this shallow trough of canvas that bent and trembled with the motion of the men, I had a far more intimate feeling of the glory and power of the waves than I'd ever known in a, in a, in a steamer, which is fantastic, Fair. isn't it? Yeah. But look, on occasion, lives were lost in the Kuruks. It was a dangerous way of travelling. I think the ferries represented a kind of a great improvement, yeah. uh, if you will, in, in getting to and from the islands. And that despite only missing seven sailings, seven <laughs> sailings in, in 30 years. Uh, Remarkable. Um, the big question throughout the 20th century, though, is... I, th- I is think my local bus doesn't show up seven times a day. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those ghost buses they've been telling us about. Uh, so throughout the, 19th, uh, the, the 20th century, you have this whole question of how to make the islands more connected to each other, but also to the mainland, but also trying to 
kind of retain that character where you don't want them to feel like they are the mainland but you don't want them to feel totally isolated either um, and if the Naevena and the ferries represented a leap, a leap forward from the Kuroks it was inevitable then that some other technology technology would come across uh, along in time and get rid of the Naevena as well yeah totally and I mean the, one of the weird things about the Aran Islands is that people go there people you know, ur- urbanites go to the Aran Islands because they want something different they want that sense of being removed from the mainland that mm. otherness but people who live on the islands and who knew them as home they had a desire for the very opposite you know what they wanted was greater connectivity uh, with, with, with the Irish mainland for all kinds of reasons communication health all kinds of reasons mm. so there's this uh, clash if you will between those who seek the remoteness of the islands and those who want greater connectivity so in post-independent Ireland there are all these questions around the sustainability of island living and, and some of the islands interestingly they're literally evacuated mm. so probably most famously the Blaskets yes, uh, off yeah. the coast of Kerry home to, to Peg Sayers and which had kind of long attracted academic interests too but German uh, Ferreter wrote a lovely history of the, Aran, of, the, of the islands in general off the coast he kind of goes through how the, the various islands fared in a new independent state Inish Turk for example off the coast of Mayo he tells mm. us by the late 60s there were seven families on the island six of whom wanted to leave it and moved to the mainland. Turbot had 16 families, 12 of whom wanted to leave it. So there was this, I suppose, but in the middle of the 20th century onwards, this belief that maybe we have to give up on the islands. But I think for the Aran Islands, a couple of things went right there. One, air travel totally transformed connectivity uh, and tourism. Just made it a lot easier to get there and to mm. get there a lot quicker. And by the, the late 80s, the Nevaena's days were pretty much over. So yeah. there were new and improved ferries, but there was also air travel that really revolutionised how we engaged uh, with the Aran Islands. Could you imagine being the one family on Inish Turk that decided <laughs> not to, to leave? Well, like, th- th- could you just imagine, because like, it must have surely have been a very visceral debate for all of those families yeah. as well. If they're deciding, right, are we? is there a future for this island? Is this a place that people can continue to live? And if everyone else has decided that I can't live here anymore, that the consequences, the, the, what you lose, what you sacrifice is too great, and there's one family that says no. And like, I mean, the, the community must have been small and enough anyway. Yeah. The idea that like one family decided to hold out and the same in um, in Turbot as well just must have been a remarkable time to live through and for some of those debates to have happened. Um, so from the late 1980s then, um, the question has been the same. What to do with Nevena? Yeah, the Irish Nautical Trust acquired her and they moved her to the Grand Canal Dock in Dublin in time and then... Yeah, what do we do? And at one point, they, there was a surfing shop within her, which was kind of interesting. <laughs> then they, they sold it to, to Samfield Corbett from the Irish Ship and Barge Fabrication Company for a quid, one euro, wow. in 2015. This is your problem now, you know? Yeah. But Sam, in fairness, I mean, he was interviewed in the Irish Times this week and he was very, very honest about it, the various barriers that they faced. He wanted to turn it into a hotel and when the pandemic hit, that just became an, an impossibility. So, yeah. I mean, if that idea sounds a bit mad... I would say to people, think about the MV Kalarna, which is just yes, minutes yeah. away from the Neve and it's by the convention centre. That's done really, really well as a floating kind of bar and restaurant. So mm. there is the possibility of putting new life into these things, but everything just seemed to go against Sam. And what, what seemed like a good investment for a quid, a yeah. euro, in 2015 has, has probably become something of a, a serious headache. Yeah, if you were able to, to get through the various regulatory hurdles to sort of make it work, then it would have been a, a fabulous investment. But of course, if you can't, then it's a very large thing to be uh, left lumbered with. Um, is the question then put to bed now, if if Aina is now returning to her watery grave off the Grand Canal Dock, um, is it put to bed or, or is this in any way still kind of salvageable? Look, I mean, a floating Liffey Hotel and Aran Islands tourist attraction, maybe the idea of bringing her back to the Aran Islands, mm. that was a beautiful idea. 
uh, a piece of a maritime quarter in Dublin. Nobody knew, really knew what to do with her. And the enemy of preservationists and historians is time. You know, if you, yeah. you spend long enough debating something, yeah. uh, time will ultimately win. And I worry about that happening in other things, for example, on, on, on Moore Street. So if you wait, things decay. And that doesn't mean that parts of the Nevena can't be saved. And certainly, I think if there's a future Docklands Museum, it would be interesting to see a part of her on display. I mean, this is a ship that was made in Dublin. Mm. Likewise, Galway, I think, has a very, very strong claim uh, emotionally Absolutely, to having yeah. a part of the Nevena in its own museum too but you know Glenn Murphy in the Irish Times during the week he had a lovely line he said the ship's future remains in a watery limbo so perhaps we'll leave on, on those words watery limbo uh, Yeah uh, you can certainly imagine <laughs> if, if there was to be a maritime museum in Galway or something that it's certainly something that would have a home there or even if there was to be a, a home or any kind of exhibit on the islands themselves for the history of how they've been connected to the mainland there, there ought to be a place for it uh, but the Nevena uh, about perhaps to, to visit Davy Jones's locker Yeah that's uh, a lovely Doc. Just to say, that's a really, really lovely piece by, by Glenn Murphy in, uh, in, in the Irish Times. Yeah, I'll really tweet nice. the link to it in a couple of minutes' time once we're out of the studio. Uh, Donald Fallon, uh, as we mentioned, is on Instagram, uh, Three Castles Burning. He's the author of Three Castles Burning, A History of Dublin and Twelve Seats, the Eason's Book of the Year uh, for 2022, <laughs> which is no pressure then because it's only 11 months till the next one gets crowned and Donald is surely going to have to try and retain that crown uh, one way or another. Uh, two, Three Castles Burning is also the name of Donald's podcast about the history uh, of our capital city, which you'll find anywhere you get your audio online and the author of plenty of other books as well. Uh, too many to mention in the limited time we have left because that is all the time that we have available for you on today's show. Big thank you to the production team led today by Aoife Breen, also featuring Hugo De Silva, Scott on Sound and the help of John Byrne. We are back next Sunday morning as always at 11 o'clock. Until then, from me, Gavin Riley, and all the team, thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your Sunday.